When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Garden State of Hockey listeners and Devils fans. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher. As always, John, it's been a bit. It has been a bit. Personal lives got in the way, but uh, we are back to talk about our favorite hockey team. We mm-hmm. have won a couple games, scored a lot of goals, uh, but they ultimately lost more than the number of games that they won that we're about to talk about. So mm-hmm. it's still disappointing, Dan. It's still sad. Oh, yeah. And uh Listen, they continue to amass goals. That's one thing that hasn't really uh, fallen off in this recent stretch. Their goals have been plenty to come by. It's just, unfortunately, um, so has goaltending. So let's uh, go into the games that we missed, starting with the Pittsburgh game um, after the, uh, what was the All-Star? No, that was... Oh God, no, I'm missing this everything. Is, My brain's all over the place. Sorry. I, yeah. So this this is before Valentine's Day. This gotcha. is the home game. This is the one of two home games that were made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was uh, Sunday, Pittsburgh, New Jersey. The performance wasn't that bad. It was a very slow game to start, uh, but ultimately this was decided by Ty Smith getting posted up by Brian Boyle. And mm-hmm. since this defensive coach Elaine Azardine apparently does not tell his guys to tie up sticks, uh, Boyle posted him up successfully and scored a ultimately the game winning goal and what would be a four, two win for Pittsburgh. It was a bit disappointing, but at least they did not lose the game in the second period or the second half, which is exactly what happened in their other Ugh. home makeup game on uh, Tuesday, the 15th. I don't know if that's a day after Valentine's day, but this was a beating. The first 30 minutes of this game were great. The devils were winning three, one you're looking good against Tampa Bay, but the second period begins the storm is coming mm. and a plethora, a rain of shots, attempts, possessions, and ultimately five unanswered goals mm-hmm. that made everybody in the arena feel absolutely miserable for watching this game, except if you're a Tampa Bay fan or a hater of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they lost that 1-6-3 definitively and just really showed that, uh, once again, everybody, stick your hand out in one direction and you could say that's where the devils are now raise your other hand at a very high point because that's where tampa bay is Mm -hmm. that's the difference yeah that was uh it was apparent from the first i mean from the second period on you're right it it just it didn't really feel like they were going to get any of those goals answered that they had let in unanswered it just it didn't seem like it was in the cards at all which is strange because um goals were not hard to come by in their next game which took a whole nine days to get to eight but yeah um and and unfortunately oh yeah i guess so 15 to 24 regardless it was it was over a week and this was important because the devils got some uh healthy players back uh johnson did not play in the two games we just discussed brat was held out due to a minor injury that was a notable loss still no hamilton at that point no hamilton at this point but they would all return for the 24th at pittsburgh so dougie's back in the lineup brat's back in the lineup johnson's back in the lineup Okay, two out of three were, were impactful in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Devils just blew away Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, they scored three goals within the first seven minutes. 
Pittsburgh takes a timeout to try to sort it out. They nearly give up a fourth goal in the first period. In the second period, Pittsburgh starts making a game of it in the run of play. And then on the first shot of the period for the Devils, it's Jack Hughes from behind the net tossing a backhander to a crashing Dawson Mercer, and it's four nothing. Mm-hmm. Like this game was just a blowout laughter. A pair of PPGs makes it a six one final score. Nico Dawes looked very good. Um, he got the start in, ahead of John Gillis. Um, Hamilton played a lot of minutes and looked good. Brat was Brat. Hughes was incredible. Keisha was incredible. A lot of good times, Dan. Mm-hmm. A lot of good times in Pittsburgh. That's so, the thing. I want to just like make an overarching point that the devils who we'd want to be the best devils are being the best devils. That is a relief. That is for sure a relief that their best player is not a, I don't know, maybe a 42 year old Yaramir Yager at that point, or a um, someone that won't be around long-term for the team. You're getting contributions, major, major contributions from the people you just listed. Hughes, Heesher, Mercer those guys that are going to be around for a while, ideally. Yes. And I, and regrettably, I have to say that one of my major themes for this season, Dan, is that this is a mentally fragile team. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I need to clarify this. I'm not saying they're mentally weak. I'm saying they're fragile, meaning you're not going to know what to expect from this team when bad things happen or when you play games back to back, Mm -hmm. because the next night they were in Chicago. Now Chicago is having a bad season themselves. Yeah, most people are not concerned maybe so much with what's happening on the ice, but Chicago's not good this season. Mm-hmm. So this is close to the Devils level of play here. If you were to ask me ahead of this back to back, which one the Devils would blow out and which one would they lose yeah. while giving up a lot of goals? I would have said, well, they would have given up a lot of goals to Pittsburgh, the actual playoff team that's fighting for the division title right now. And they would probably blow away Chicago. No. What happened was, is that in Chicago, the Devils did well to respond to a goal against by scoring two in the first period. The penalty kill gets absolutely lit up uh, with three power play goals allowed. Fun fact, the Devils allowed four power play goals all month. Three of them were in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Devils battle back, claw back. Jesper Bratt brings him within a goal. And then Jonas Siegenthaler <laughs> scores his first as a Devil with a bizarrely pinpoint shot from the half wall, beating Kevin Lannikin. It's 4-4 with 10 minutes to go, Dan. Dan, what was the final score of this game? Yes, final score is 8-5. to five. <laughs> In favor of? The Chicago Blackhawks. And I will tell you the killer point, and this was this is a throwback to what happened in Ottawa back on February 7th. Mm-hmm. Ryan, well, not exactly in so much the exact play, but in terms of the mindset. It goes back to the mental fragility. So the Devils did well to battle back to make it 4-4. So with 10 minute, within the final 10 minutes, Ryan Graves, who had a terrible night, capped it off with whiffing big on a pinch-in, which mm-hmm. allowed Kirby Doc to go around him, lead a two-on-one, skate into John Gillis, and pot it in on his doorstep. 5-4. These pinches are risky. You saw them all over the next game, and luckily for the Devils, the Canucks were not able to capitalize, but they had plenty of opportunities exactly oh, yeah. like that one. Yeah, and that's actually another complaint about I have for the Devils this season. This is actually how Lindy Ruff wants his teams to play. This is by design. He wants defensemen to activate. He wants them to shoot a lot. He wants them involved on offense regularly, which, as J- to put it, to take a phrase from Jack Hand's uh, Hockey Tactics 2022, which is well worth your $32, by the way. Um, I own a copy. He calls it high-risk, low-reward hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you exa- exactly why it's risky on that play. The next shift, Dan. The next shift. Yep. 
ends with Pavel Zaka gazing at Ryan Carpenter all alone in front to beat Jeff, John Gillis to make it six to four. Yeah. Literally, like this one was not two goals in nine seconds like it was in Ottawa, but this is another case where, all right, a bad thing happened to you. Did you get did you get your minds right? Did you are you gonna at least not give up another goal right away? And the answer in this case was no. And that's so mental fragility has game. to do with coaching, yes, John. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. Mm-hmm. And you know, Brat makes it six five, and then Ruff decides to get weird by pulling Gillis for an extra skater without the Devils having offensive possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Devils play more in their neutral zone as opposed to in the offensive zone on the first attempt at an extra skater. Hughes loses the puck, 7-5, ENG. End of game, Je- uh, P.K. Subban gets beaten by uh, Brandon Hagel. It's a double hat trick because Patrick Kane scored the first ENG for his hat trick, and then Brandon Hagel scored an ENG for his second hat trick. A big beef in scrum ensues, and I, like many of the people who matter, are feeling disgusted because they lost this game eight to five when it was literally a game with 10 minutes to go to get something out of this. Yep. Couldn't do it. And get we got to, no. And we got to see something similar in the team's most two recent games. So it was almost exactly the same, like up and down sequence that occurred yes. between these games. So the next game was against a team that the devils have somehow won 11, well, 12 straight against uh, in the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know why the Devils just have their number, but they do. Well, and not only that, Vancouver did play the night before and beat our hated rivals in mm-hmm. their building. So they got Yaroslav Halak in that. He wasn't very good this season, and the Devils made that pop, made, made that really apparent. The Devils basically bullied him. They basically bullied him. They bullied Quinn Hughes. They bullied a lot of the players. Jesper Bokvist at oh, some God. point during the game realized, hey, I can outskate most of these guys. And he did. How much um, do you think uh, Quinn got called by Jack for that play specifically? Because you oh, saw Quinn I, Hughes just get blitzed by Jesper Boquist there. I'm sure that Jack, apparently before the game, they made a bet over a painting that, you know, for their house. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the loser of the game has to go buy the painting. So I imagine Jack is just tweeting him pictures of pieces of art. Yeah. Uh, clearly expensive pieces of art these guys are getting paid real well got quinn um, hughes buying a manet because the devils won seven to two yeah and this one again which was similar to the pittsburgh game where a lot of things were great nico dawes played great jesper bokvist played great jack hughes played great nico heischer played great the only guy you wish played great was pavel zaka because he's been the subject of a lot of trade rumors involving vancouver mm-hmm. and not only were there a lot of scouts at this game but both jim rutherford and his um assistant gm uh Engvall I'm trying to remember his name uh they were they were at the rock as well so you know that would have been a great time for uh number 37 to pump up his trade value Mm. um maybe they caught the next game which was in (sighs) the state of Ohio I hate I hate this place I hate this team I hate this team and, and Columbus did it again now this one wasn't like the Chicago game wherein that you know the Devils just plotsed all over the place and lost that game by a big margin. This one was close, you know, for all the remarks about how the Devils were out hit by 30 to five or some crazy number like that. The Devils outshot the Blue Jackets. The Devils lost by one goal. You know, the Devils, you know, quote unquote, paid the price physically to score two of their goals. The first one being the greasiest goal of the season so far with like just a mass of players that had four scoring changes before it was given to Jack Hughes. Yep. And Nico Heischer beating Gavrikov at the blue line on a long pass from Severson and uh, roofing it past uh, Elvis Merzlikens before Brandon Peake 
undercut his legs with a dive. Um, so guys paid the price on the Devils. Um, however, this was another game where the Devils just made more mistakes than Columbus and the Devils paid the price. Severson, while he created the great pass for Heischer, as I just mentioned, he took a penalty during a penalty kill. Yeah, they scored on the five on three, Dan. That, yep. that was bad. Yep. And worse is that when Heischer scored, it was 3-2 going into the second intermission. You're thinking, okay, it's a one-shot game, guys. It's This is a game. Mm-hmm. Early in the third period, Patrick Laine, who has been hot this season, or at least over the past couple of months, came over the zone. Hughes was behind Lane and figured, oh, but Severson is right in position to keep up with Lane. He's right in his face. Mm-hmm. Ryan Graves, who was being kept honest by Lane's teammates, thought, hey, Severson came over to get in front of Lane. He's got this. Severson. Didn't have this. He goes for a check for some reason. He goes, he sells out for a body check. For all the complaints that some of the people who matter say, oh, this team is soft. They don't throw hits. They, this was not the time to throw a hit. That was so bad. That was Lonnie, so bad. Line eight made him look like an idiot. Cut back. So he's wide open on the le- on the right side of the ice. Burns Nico Dawes, who did play back-to-back far post. I'm not going to fault Dawes for not making the save there. I'm faulting Severson for turning into a pylon. And Severson and also was- another name popular in trade rumors, by the way. I want to just throw that in there because – for all those moments like that, there is still plenty of value that this guy brings. I just oh, yeah. I don't want people to overemphasize just how oh, no. bad moments like that are. But I completely like I understand where you're coming from when yeah. that is not an acceptable mistake to make. No, the sad thing is with Severson is that overall, when you look at his on ice metrics, they're positive. Like they're, they're good metrics for mm-hmm. over the season. He's actually on pace to set a career high in points right now, Dan. I'll bet you didn't even know that. Yeah, nice. And. And even though this team has now has Dougie Hamilton back, he's still the defenseman on the first power play unit. Mm-hmm. I think partially to be showcased, but you know, the coaches have decided I'd rather keep Severson there because the team's power play has been functional shooting at 25% all last month. Right. I'm keeping Severson there. He's still getting points. So he legitimately could break 40 points for the first time in his career at the rate he's going. Nice. So you're right. Severson does a lot of good things. The problem is, is that his mistakes are usually so awful that you forget about all the good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the classic example of, you know, Dan, I bought you, well, <laughs> even worse than Suban, it would be like, if I said, Hey Dan, I bought you, I bought you dinner. I, I cleaned your room. I got your car detailed. I accidentally took a dump in your trunk yeah. and, 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 and I, I, you know, I got you tickets to the game. You'll be like, well, hold on. What did you do with my and trunk? Then, again? And then I killed your dog. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's, 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 you can't ignore the mistake, unfortunately, with David Severson, and it, and, and it stinks. Um, the Devils at least you know, acquitted themselves well. They tried their best to uh, tie it up 4-4. I think the Devils got a little too uh, much of their – they got a little too cute at times with their – again, going back to Lindy Ruff's system where guys are shooting from long range. Given that Columbus was selling out for shot blocks, the move was not to keep firing from 40 feet away into the blocks. Yeah. Um, and – and unfortunately, the game ended with a power play for the Devils. Six on four, extra skaters pull is out there. And the Devils get two shot attempts on it, with both of them coming from Dougie Hamilton, who misses the net from distance on one and hits the shin pads of a blue jacket for another. It's not so much Hamilton's fault, as I'm blaming Mr. Recky, as four Devils were below the dots in this important situation. So it's basically your game plan is fire it in deep and hope for the best, which is not a very 
good plan. Yeah. Um, when you have Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and Nathan Bastion out there. Nevertheless, 4-3 is not the worst type of loss, but it is another disappointment uh, where the goaltending, the defensive mistakes, the discipline were not where it needed to be, and it followed up another blowout win, which again goes back to the question of, how, why is this team so inconsistent with its performances? Mm-hmm. And you do have to question the general mentality of the team, which by extension means you have to question the coaching. Yeah. So that that's kind of brings us to where we are. And it, it is easy to look at the season and say, well, listen, in a lot of their games, this is undeniable in a lot of their games, had they gotten better, had they had gotten better goaltending in key moments, maybe they wouldn't have gotten demoralized. Maybe they yes. would have had several things that would have gone their way um, instead and yeah, it's, it's tempting to sit here and say that, and you might be right to say that, but there are other issues that can be addressed. Absolutely. And in general, these guys are not newbies to the game of hockey. Sometimes a guy's just going to have a bad game. And, and as a team on a professional team in any sport, you, you try to, you would want to see them rally around it, you know? Okay. So-and-so's having a bad game. All right. I'll, I'll step it up. Guys have bad games all the time. You don't yeah. just sit there and go, ah, well, you know, we're not going to try because one guy, our teammates having a bad game. Mm-hmm. If you're a player like that, I don't want you on the team. <laughs> I don't trust right. you. You know, I don't trust you on this situation, much less when the devils are trying to be good. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want that in soccer. You wouldn't want that in football. You wouldn't want that in basketball, baseball, name the sport. You just wouldn't want it. Cause that's a lack of professionalism. Yep. Um, that being said, I will say to the devil's credit it, that I don't get the sense that this is a team that, um, gives up per se it's a team that again it, 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 it the motivation the words coming out of the coaches mouth, the game plans there something is just not clicking the right way it's not a case of the room has been lost like we're not hearing about devils talking junk behind somebody's back or you know shooting pucks at practice or just you know lazily going through games Severson is trying out there he just makes bad decisions sometimes yeah you know uh, as I mentioned they they blew it in the Chicago game you know, it's a case of guys just got lost in their coverage and then they were like, oh man, I completely forgot about this guy and they give up a goal. You know, it's not a case of if John Gillis was better, that play doesn't happen. It's a case of paying attention to details, maintaining your focus and not treating a goal against like it's the end of your game, especially since in that Chicago game, the Devils went down multiple times and they clawed their way back a couple times. So it would, it shouldn't have be, it shouldn't be a big surprise to, to, to expect that they would do it again, but they did it. So yeah. it is what it is. And also about Severson, I just want to make a quick point. Um, he is also the longest tenured member of the New Jersey Devils right now. There's something right. to be said about that. There's something to be said about what he represents continuity wise. There's something to be said about his knowledge of how they went from one regime to another in terms of the players that were on the team, in terms of leadership um, in the organization in general. So he does bring value beyond just the ice. I think, I think he's someone who is even at, what is he 28 right now? He 20. is going to, he's going to be 28 in August. So even at 27 years old, he's already one of the longest tenured and oldest members of that locker room. That's not something that's easily replaceable. No. However, one could also make the argument that, um, that's why they got Dougie. <laughs> well, not only that's why they got Dougie, but it's also in a way why Subban was acquired, why, uh, they signed Johnson and Tatar to bring in some quote unquote veterans, mm-hmm. maybe not old veterans, but, guys who've been around the league, been from other organizations, yeah. guys with different perspectives and staff with a wealth of experience. Lindy Ruff alone has 
you know, given his life to this sport, both as a player and as a coach. Elaine Nazardine has played pro hockey in a lot of different places and has been an assistant coach for a long time. Um, Mark Recchi played, a, I think he's one of the top 10 guys in NHL history in terms of games played, and he's been in coaching for a while. Even guys like Chris Taylor um, and the other guy whose name is escaping me, uh, not Dave Rogalski, who definitely needs to go. He's the goalie coach. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Rogalski, but these, these results from the goaltenders, that's on you, bro. That's partially on you, bro. Uh, but Chris Taylor, even a guy like him, has a wealth of professional experience. So they all have different times where they could sit a young player down or sit an inexperienced player down. or sit. Oh, a but guy that's not my point. My point is that not is he only a veteran. He's a devil's veteran specifically. He's ah, a veteran of that you. organization. That's more correct. what I meant. So okay. when I was talking about that point and him representing continuity, yeah, there's plenty of veteran players on the team, but as the longest tenure devil, he is the most familiar with the organization. He's probably the most familiar with the area. He's probably the most familiar with True. the day by day of how things run in that building. And that's what I'm more talking about. So like you can feel it, the change, the regime change hit when they traded Palmieri and Zajac last year, those guys represented, a lot of that, obviously, Zajac way more than Palmieri, but still, those guys represented that presence, essentially. And Severson was in that pack. So if they trade him, we're, we're basically talking, okay, we've entirely turned this roster over. It's completely different than when we started. There's not a single piece of it left from the Lou Lamorello era. Yeah, he, he's the last, the last guy, barring any, like, scout or, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody in the uh, support personnel. But you're right. Severson would be the representative of that. And the reason why his name has come up a bunch of times is because yes, he does have another season left on his contract, but he's at, he's at a prime age. He's been around, he's having a career year in terms of points and, and his on ice metrics have been good as mentioned, despite his costly blunders. Um, His contract is actually favorable. His cap hit is less than his actual salary. So a team that has a lot of money that is willing to pay and spend a lot of money for success to boost their defense would probably appreciate, you know, a cap hit that's a million, about a million dollars less than his current salary, which would be great for a team that may be up against the cap because they are going for it. And damn it, they need to go for it, Dan, because they need to win a playoff series for the first time in literally <laughs> over two decades. At, Do you know what team I might be talking about? Dan? Is it, is it maybe Toronto? Is it maybe yes, that is, that is, that is, that is the hot name, especially since Dubas has already dropped a, a hint saying he likes guys. He wants to trade a guy with some term. Well, Severson has a, has a season left. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're getting him a rental here. You're getting a rental and a, and a season to see what, what you can do with them. There's another big reason the devils can even think about doing this. And his name is Luke Hughes. Yes. Luke Hughes. And they've already started bigging up Riley Walsh, but Luke Hughes is really the, uh, the main reason why, because Luke Hughes, my goodness, uh, yeah. he is having a stormer of a season with Michigan he absolutely caught on fire while Owen Power was with uh, Canada at the Olympics. He has, if I'm not mistaken, 16 goals now. That's more than his brother Quinn ever had in college in his two seasons there. And it's the like most he, by a Michigan defenseman for among freshmen, right? Maybe not yeah, all time. among freshmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. all time. Hey, pretty good. That's a good school. It good is. And he, yeah, and he's, he's, it's not, these are not just like, oh, he just got a, good bounce here, good back here. Like he's breaking in all alone. He's finishing plays off the rush. He is deking out defenders, older, bigger, stronger than him. And making this, him look like this a man saw Mason Geertz in the defenseman and said, Hey, if he can play forward, why not? <laughs> yeah, basically. Now 
to be fair, to help quell some of the excitement, Hughes is almost likely going to go back to Michigan. He's probably yeah. going to follow Quinn's path of two seasons, and it's probably for the best. Um, if you assume that Owen Power is going to make the jump to NHL hockey next season, the blue line is for Luke Hughes to be taken. And mm-hmm. um, it is worth noting that, you know, even while Power was away, Hughes wasn't necessarily on the first pairing. He was pretty much destroying guys as a second pairing mix-up. Mm-hmm. Um so next season's Michigan team may be a little weaker just because some of the big names like Bernier's Johnson and power may be moving on to pro hockey, but that'll be the opportunity for Luke to be the man. Mm-hmm. And if Luke bees, it continues to be the man at Michigan, then yeah, you can absolutely afford to say, you know what? We don't really need Severson long-term. We're okay. You know, with making these moves, I, th- I think you're going to have to salvage Ty Smith regardless yeah, uh, that that's going to be one of the bigger things the Devils will have to do for next season. But that's a discussion for another time. But you're right. The, the ascendancy of Luke Hughes helps make it easier for the Devils to think, all right, we don't really need to keep Severson long term. We don't need to keep Subban super long term. We don't mm-hmm. need to go out and sign um, a right sided defenseman to a four year contract just to have support. Like mm-hmm. we got Dougie. We're going to have Hughes in, two, in, in about two seasons. If you salvage Ty Smith and if Riley Walsh really does get better enough to play at this level, then you could probably get by. Then your pool of defensemen is Hamilton, Siegenthaler, Graves, Luke Hughes, Riley Walsh, and that's and whoever else. Yeah, I, and even then that's an open question because as Graves and Siegenthaler need new contracts after next season. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can make those decisions and they're not going to be super expensive decisions either. So, yeah. Nevertheless, um, but yeah, that that's a, that's not a bad blue line on paper, especially if you get something out of the other guys in Utica, like uh, if Kevin Ball ever gets learns how to skate, if Nikita Okayuk learns how to skate, if mm-hmm. Shakir Muhammadulin comes over somehow, some way, and uh, turns into an actual player. That, that'll make the process a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And so going from players that are future Devils to one that is now formerly a Devil, the Devils uh, had another casualty of the waiver wire happen as they tried desperately <sighs> to preserve Mason Geertsen as Marion Studenich was taken off the waivers by the Dallas Stars, and now he plays hockey in Texas. Yeah, so this was a result of Hamilton coming back. Mm-hmm. So the, Because even though the Devils added Yanni Quackett into IR after the road trip, um, the, the road trip earlier this month, the Devils needed to make some space for Mr. Hamilton to come off the lineup. So instead of waving, so basically somebody had to go to Utica. So instead of Christian Yaros or Colton White, who, by the way, has been playing in Ty Smith's place the last two games, mm-hmm. the, the decision from management was to look at Yaros, White, Geertsen, and Studenich and conclude that Studenich was the guy they wanted to send down to Utica. Now, to be fair, there, there is some logic that if Geertsen did hit waivers, Hartford, which is our hated rivals uh, affiliate, would pick him up at a heartbeat, which I would say, fine, good, grand. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also argue that Studenich would do a lot more for Utica than Geertsen would. Mm-hmm. But you cannot convince me that the Devils made a good decision to protect the worst player on the roster and lose a second player this season to waivers. Not that Scott Wedgwood is amazing, but the dude has been hot recently. Yeah, let's talk about Scott Wedgwood because he has a better save percentage than all six of the goalies the Devils have tried this year, including himself. Correct. Now, obviously, that's hindsight because we've seen enough of Wedgwood in the past where it's like, yeah, he's not 
that much better than a John Gillis, you know, mm-hmm. if we're going to be honest with ourselves here. But he caught fire. And, and to your point, he's been outproducing and outperforming the other Devils goaltenders as a unit. All to protect Mason Geertsen. Listeners. Why? What does I th- he I know? Think, I, I think you can understand our frustration with this decision. Like, I, like I, what, We're talking what, about a guy I, who literally cannot skate at this NHL level. He is literally too slow to provide the beef that the, the his precious few fans seem to think he has. I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. You just got Nathan Bastion back for exactly this reason. He is this role. And he's doing pretty well. You don't need Geertsen anymore. Yep. You literally don't. Yep, exactly. Now, to be fair, Studenich wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. We're talking about one goal in 17 games and 24 shots on net. However, that's one more goal and 18 more shots on net than Mason Geertsen. So... Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that all being said, yeah, student each no longer a devil. Good luck to him, but not too much luck if they play against the devils. And Is that fair? They, yeah. And by the way, if you're wondering if that will happen, it's if, if it does happen, student each will need to be in the lineup on April 9th. That's a Saturday in Dallas at mm-hmm. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So gotcha. we'll see if he's in the lineup for that game all right and uh utica keeps rolling i don't feel like we don't really need to visit them that much um they, they're, they're just doing their thing they're scoring yeah. tons of goals holtz looks fantastic um everyone's happy things are good i don't really know that feeling anymore from the new jersey side of things but uh hopefully those good vibes can come through when they eventually i don't know hire kevin denine to coach new jersey who knows <laughs> Well, the next five games, I'll, I'll briefly touch on what we have coming up. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, March March is not a nice month. Like, everybody's going to play a lot here. And by the way, everybody, the important date to this month is March 21st. Mm-hmm. That's the NHL trade deadline. So we are officially within three weeks of the NHL trade deadline. So pay very close attention if somebody's a healthy scratch. That is a healthy scratch because – they're being held out for quote unquote precautionary reasons as yeah. opposed to being a bad hockey player at the moment, like Ty Smith was uh, because that may be a tell as far as somebody being dealt, but uh, coming up in the near future, we have our hated rivals in yes. Manhattan on Friday, March 4th. And then we have a homestand, which normally would get people excited, except the devils have, except for that Vancouver game. Um, the Vancouver game ended a home losing streak of five games mm-hmm. and i'm not going to lie to you know i don't want to be too cynical dan but i don't like the devil's odds against these four teams coming up where they're going to host st louis on the sixth and while the devils did beat them earlier this season st louis is like good and the devils are not and that does not bode well yeah and then on the eighth they're going to host colorado another hype octane high offensive goal scoring team and then on thursday they're going to play a winnipeg team that may not have a whole lot to play for but they have a lot of dangerous players. And oh, by the way, Winnipeg w- gave the Devils their first uh, loss this season where the Devils allowed eight goals. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And then on the 12th, they're going to play Anaheim, the only team to have shut out the Devils this season, which is remarkable when you think about it. Yeah, considering uh, the Devils score a lot of goals, and the main reason is that they can't actually finish anything is that, you know, finish a game is that their goaltending can't keep up with the amount of goals that the other team scores, but no. um, Oh God. 
Oh, and it gets worse after that, Dan, because after this is the trip to Western Canada, where they'll play Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton in, in the week before the trade deadline. Oh. The Devils might do well in Vancouver. Calgary? Nope. And Edmonton changed their head coach and has figured out that playing a 40-year-old goaltender over and over again, who is not a future Hall of Famer, is a bad idea. So Edmonton may, you know, stomp all over the Devils in that one. And that'll be the final game before the trade deadline. Yeah. The yeah. And... uh they're going to get brutalized by Calgary. I am not excited for that. Oh, yeah. Ca- Ca- Calgary has been brutalizing almost everybody in the Metropolitan Division. Calgary um, is so good. They are so very, good. very good. Um, <laughs> maybe this will be the year they do not let down because, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is going to be possibly hitting the market. They've got other players that are, um, you know, I don't know how long you can keep it together, but the, with the way they've been running, if they play a Metropolitan team in the Stanley Cup finals, they may win their first Stanley Cup since 1989. So, you know yeah that's, well that's what they got going for them anyway dan let's let's talk about a larger elephant in the world right now oh uh, yep yeah number one so, number, number one there's one. two there's two giant elephants in the world right now yeah luckily for us the first one seems to be in a place where it's uh you know obviously not over but generally contained and uh, that's being reflected in a lot of mask mandates dropping a lot of vaccine mandates dropping it looks like at least for the summer America is going to a place where we can start to kind of uh, reclaim what life was before 2020. Now, I'd say that as if the other situation wasn't also happening. And that other situation, and I'm going to withhold my thoughts on here, and I'm going to do that because if you follow me on Twitter, you're well aware of my personal stance on this. I don't want to alienate anybody. This is a show about hockey. But it is unavoidable to talk about this issue in the context of hockey. There is a lot more going on um, beyond just hockey, but this is what we do in the show. So we're going to limit that scope to here. If you want to know what I think about this, and if you follow me already, feel free to follow me on, you know, Twitter, engage with me there about this. But I just don't see the purpose of taking our time here to deliver my passionate, you know, my family is Ukrainian stance here. However, This also affects the hockey world in a very, very significant way. There are Mm -hmm. many Russian athletes currently playing in the U.S. and Canada. There are many Belarusian athletes playing in the U.S. Uh, Many. There's a few Belarusian athletes playing in the U.S. and Canada. And on those same teams where the Russian athletes exist, as do the Ukrainians. So there's been a lot of things happening around the league with various leaders in Russia getting sanctioned, where do those sanctions go? How far do they go and who do they affect? And at this point, it seems like um, they've trickled down to just people of that culture. And I want to emphasize something very, very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. You are sick in the head. If you are sending death threats to people who have nothing to do with the situation, they just happen to be Russian. They happen to be Ukrainian. If you are sitting there behind your computer threatening people, if you are sitting there conflating every single Russian person with the ideals of a government, you are wrong. You are mistaken. You are doing bad things. Stop it. Just yes. stop. That is the last thing all these people need right now when there's already so much misunderstanding, both deliberate and accidental about this issue. Stop it cut it out do not dm russian players you're a joke if you do that sorry i had to get that across no i'm glad you did because that leads to a a nice segue to one of the larger hockey related impacts and i'm going to also withhold my own personal feelings i think we're similar in our feelings Mm -hmm. um 
I'll say that. But um, so so anyway, in, in light of the Putinist invasion of the, of the Ukraine, uh, the hockey world has taken a lot of actions in response. Some of them understandable, some of them un, some of them reasonable, and some of them just performative. So I'm get, we're going to try our best to cover it because. Um, you know, as mentioned, the Devils do have a Belarusian player in Yegor Sharangovich. He's not just a Belarusian player. He actually, if I'm not mistaken, captained their world championship team or captained their Olympic team. He, he, he is a player of significance in the Belarusian national team setup. Mm-hmm. And the Devils, while they don't have a Russian player on the New Jersey roster, they do have Russian players in their system. Guys that, you know, like Shakir Muhammadulin, Arseny Gritsyuk, who actually did play for Russia in the Olympics. Um, and actually was a standout at the Olympics, for that matter. You have other prospects like um, Bartikov, Yegor Zaitsev. Um, there is another player. Oh, it's Yeager, uh Zaitsev, Bartikov. I apologize to everyone. Okhachuk is Ukrainian, I think, right? I'm sorry? Okhachuk? Nikita? Okhachuk? Um, I don't know if he's Ukrainian or not. I know I, I know he, he originally came from Russia. The point is, is that there are players in the organization um, that are oh nice no, from Chelyabinsk, okay. Russia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the point is, is that there are players in the organization who are indirectly or directly impacted by these actions. So the first off is that the NHL has re- released a statement saying both one they are cutting all business ties with Russian businesses um, in light of the invasion, and they also put in their statement that they are concerned for the well-being and the safety of. The players that you've just mentioned, Belarusian players, Russian players, and Ukrainian players. Agents have re- reached out to the league to say, we are concerned about this. And it is for both not just fans being total jerks on the internet and harassing them, but also the fact that, you know, um, in Belarus and in Russia, um, criticism is not taken very well. In fact, they're actually positing that Russian parliament is currently positing a new law that means up to 15 years in prison for quote unquote fake news being spread about what's going on mm-hmm. so a player that is protesting or wants to say something or speak up may pay a much heavier price than they already would be paying if they ever spoke out so um so the nhl has at least a, a highlighted that concern at the international mm-hmm. level um ah, goodness the khl ended their season early and they're in their playoffs uh due to the economic sanctions in russia some players just straight up left their khl teams ahead of the playoffs because their contracts are effectively worthless now. Um, there are there are import players in the KHL. So, you know, there's a lot of play, there's a number of players who are just trying to get out, you know, for their own safety, not to mention that they're now making nothing mm-hmm. to play. Jokerit has already announced that they would not play in the playoffs at all. And, and uh, another team left the KHL. Yeah, Dinamo Riga in Latvia mm-hmm. straight up said we're out of the KHL entirely. So mm-hmm. th- you're already seeing an impact of that league. Um, as a whole, you also have International Ice Hockey Federation due to pressure from Switzerland, Sweden, and other countries requesting that they sanction Russia and Belarus. And the IHF came down hard on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the World Championships were originally going to be in Russia this year. That's not happening. In fact, Russia and Belarus have been banned from all International Ice Hockey Federation competitions through August, meaning no World Championships for men's or women's teams no world under 18 championships for men and women no four nation tournaments or my or euro hockey tours or smaller uh, uh, details 
No, if you're a Russian or Belarusian, you are not going to be representing your team in the IIHF uh, competitions mm-hmm. until August. And that will likely be extended if the invasion continues. Even, even if things are resolved by August, the 2023 World Junior Championships have already been pulled from Russia. It was mm-hmm. originally going to be in St. Petersburg. They've already said that's not happening and they're looking for a new host right now. So the IAHF came down hard. And that does make sense because when you're playing for your national team, you're representing your country, whether or not you believe in your government or not, you're representing the nation. Like you are seen as an ambassador for better or for worse of that country. And And some people in this country are literally ambassadors of that country and make it a point to say so. Looking at one captain in Washington, perhaps. Correct. And that's also another impact as well. Uh, Mr. Ovechkin, who has uh, been very vocal of Putin in the past, whether that's because he's been asked to do so or if he truly believes it, um, he came out with a very passive Newton, Newton passive statement saying he didn't want a war, which I'm sympathetic to, but you're, you're a little late on that. It's a war right now. Um, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but he's he's already having his endorsements pulled. And, uh, you know, Ovechkin is one of the highest endorsed athletes in the NHL. So this is, you know, he's he's taking it. Um, we'll see if that spurs further recollection. I'm sure Artemi Panarin is feeling pretty good about being one the one Russian player to have been outspoken against Putin. And um, now can say, I told you so to a lot of people. But that's not what this is about. Um, now, going into performative actions or actions that I think are bad. Mm-hmm. One, EA announced today that they're going to remove Russia from their FIFA and NHL games. And I think I mean, Belarus as well. What's and the this point is, of that, honestly? Yeah, what, there's literally no point to this. It's a video game. You know, people play games of, you know, countries or uh, times of history that are not good. That doesn't mean playing the game makes you a supporter of that. It, it doesn't do anything. And, and related to it not doing anything... We actually have a bad, uh, uh, well, let me rephrase this, an almost bad decision because it isn't announced yet. But earlier this afternoon, uh, Agent Dan Milstein, who does represent a lot of players in Russia and uh, in, in, that part of, in that part of Europe, uh, claimed that the Canadian Hockey League was going to announce a ban on uh, Russian and Belarusian players for their upcoming import draft because the yep. CHL import draft is coming up real soon. Dan Milstein, who, is, who does have a Ukrainian background, was born in the Ukraine, uh, stated, I don't think this is a good idea. I wouldn't want this. And I have to agree with this because one, you're punishing a 16 or 17 year old player um, that may or may not come over to Canada to play major junior hockey. Anyways. Um, they literally have no say in this matter. They're, you know, Putin is not going to change his mind because a prospective hockey player is going to go to go play in Lethbridge. Um, I and sec- there's another like thing in this vein I just saw, and I don't know the true, it was from someone who is verified, but I don't really know, like, in this vein. You don't ban teaching Dostoevsky because he's Russian. A school Correct. in Italy apparently did this. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, this it's is, so, this is like, antithetical is, to the whole point. <laughs> right. This is why I call it performative, and I'm, I'm being polite when I say that. Um, and this is why people don't like virtue signaling in general, because not only does it do nothing practically good it's arguably practically bad because you're basically now just you're just discriminating against people and that's Mm -hmm. never a good thing and this brings me to the second point of this potential decision in the chl from milstein that this is a terrible idea because this is exactly what russian hockey would want russian hockey has been very unhappy about 
young players deciding that they want to go to Canada to, to help to continue their careers. They want to go to Sweden or Finland to join their youth hockey setups. They're going to the USHL because they want to go to college. Um, you know, basically they're losing talent and, and they try, and you've seen the reaction to that. They basically bar them from the national team setups. If they do that, preferring that their own, their own players from their own favored teams, mm-hmm. um, a CHL import ban, even if it's just for this season would basically tell a generation of young players that, Hey, Canada really doesn't want you. They don't like you because you're Russian. They don't like you because you're Belarusian, you know, stay with us. We, we support you. We're your people keep playing youth hockey with us. And that's just bad for everybody. Now, to be fair, according to Ken Campbell of the Hockey News, the CHL is apparently not necessarily fully on board with this decision. So a ban may not happen after all. But this is the, the fact that we're, it's even being discussed goes to exactly what you just raised, which is now you're not, you're not doing anything that practically helps you. You're doing something that practically helps the other side because now they can turn around and say, see, you know, we're the victims here. You're being mean to us or whatever, which is... A bit silly considering the circumstance, but you know, no one ever said life had to make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but as as of now, that's what we know now, and there's still a lot of um, shoes to drop, so to speak. Um, for example, Shakir Mukamodulin, for example, as you know, he signed a New Jersey Devils contract. He has an ELC with the Devils. He's with Ufa on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ufa's playoffs started today. If Ufa gets knocked out of the playoffs under normal circumstances, you would maybe consider bringing him to Utica, you know, or bringing him to North America to get a, you know, acclimated or whatever. Now, the fact that there's an open question, if he's going to be able to come over at all, like get on a plane and come to America, you know, I don't know what does it, what you do with that, what you do with the player in that case. I don't know what the safe call would be for his own safety and well-being. I don't know how, he feels about this. I don't know how about his family feels about this. I don't, and, and looking at Utica's roster, it's not like they need a defenseman right now either. They have eight signed defensemen with New Jersey contracts right now. They don't need a knife, but these are the open questions that, you know, the devils and all other teams have to consider what their prospects are. One, are they in a place where they can be safe Two, um, if, if, if we need to bring them over to bring them safe, well, what do you do with that player? You don't want to bring somebody over just to hang out for a couple months and then wait until camp and say, go fight for a job that may not be there. I don't know what the correct answer is, but, and of course there's always going to be changes to getting visas, getting um, flights over overseas, um, getting contracts um, negotiations, I'm sure are going to take a backseat in some cases. Um and, I, and there are still other leagues that have to make decisions about what they're going to do with imported players. I don't know what the USHL is going to do. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. I don't know what countries like Finland or Sweden are going to do. Um, well, we it, already it, heard some decisions like regarding this. So even if the governing body of the sport doesn't make any sort of statement against this, we've already seen teams come out and say that they're just not going to play a Russian opponent. It's not going to play against Russian teams. Oh, yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, yeah, Elena that's Svitolina. Um, she's a tennis player, had a Russian opponent and even made sure to say in her statement, listen, it's not my opponent's fault that this is happening, but I can't in good conscience play against this person. This is Which, true. That, okay. That... Svitolina is Ukrainian. Then we had the Swedish team, the Czech team, the Polish team all say that they would not play against Russia in their world cup qualifiers. Right. Under, and that, and that's a bit understandable because again, in some of those games, you would have to play them in Russia. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's just not safe to go there. And understandably so, as I just said earlier, when you're on the national team, you're representing the country. I get that from the international perspective. I think it's at the club level, the franchise level, the, pers- the prospect level. You know, I think some people are making decisions just to make a statement without really thinking like, what, does, what good does it do? And in some cases be actively harmful to the people that it really does affect. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I'm just going to say, I want this to be done. I want this to be resolved. I want it to be over. I want people to stop dying as with the last big thing. I'm really ready for some precedented times, John. I'm really, really ready. Unfortunately, it is a Chinese curse. Um, the statement, may you live in interesting times. I'd like yeah. a little boredom, Dan. I, I'd like a little yeah. boredom. I'm down. I'd also like some devil's wins. I'd like some consistency with some wins. I'd actually like to see the devils go into overtime for a game. They haven't done that since January 2nd. Yeah, it's been a while. All their, all their games have been in regulation. Somebody was lamenting in the game thread during the Columbus game. Oh, the, watch the devils tie it up and go into, over, go into overtime and lose. And I'm thinking that would be great. Mm-hmm. You get a point. Yeah. <laughs> you drag the game beyond 60 minutes. <laughs> you know, you didn't blow it. Uh, you know, I, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, that because that's part of the reason why the Devils are so low in the standings. Even if they got the quote unquote league average or the league median goaltending, they would still be like somewhere between eight to 12 points behind the final playoff spot. You're not on a playoff bubble at that point. Mm-hmm. And a big reason for that is that the Devils just aren't dragging a lot of games into post-regulation, whether it's because of goaltending, because of defensive errors, because of the lack of scoring on some nights or a combination of all three, uh, which is unfortunately the correct answer. So yeah, That's I hope that the Devils' um, season continues with, you know, more goals. We're seeing more development from the players we want to see it from and that they no longer continue their special military operation on the goaltending position. So yes. that all being said, thank you again for listening. Obviously, it's a, uh, it's a difficult time, so hold your loved ones close and, uh, you know, keep your enemies far away. Or if you would like to hold them closer, I don't really care what you do, but make sure you tell the people in your life that are important to you that they are important to you. Anyway, the people in our lives that are important to us already know that, but you, the listener, are also important to us. You allow us to keep doing this. You allow us to keep having a forum to talk devils with um, our favorite people, it seems. It it seems, you know, the greatest fans on earth. We need a place to talk about how disappointed we are. And uh, here it is. So that is why you are all the people who matter. The people who matter indeed. So people who matter, thank you again for sticking with us. Thank you again for, um, you know, listening to us throughout the year. And as this season comes to a close, continuing to listen to us uh, as we go through this season and beyond. All right. We'll catch you on the next episode. Talk to you soon, John. Talk to you soon, Dan.